Hey guys, welcome back to Financial Flex with Lex. Let's change the way we talk about money. I'm your host, Alex, and happy Tuesday. So I'm skipping over this week's life update because I'm so excited to get into today's episode with today's guest. It is our personal finance question and answer um, episode with Taylor Grant. She was on a few episodes back, and if you haven't checked that out, you definitely should. But on today's episode, we answer questions from what you should do if you're not planning on buying gifts this year for Christmas, how to gently break it to your friends and family, good debt versus bad debt, and paying off your car note versus your student loans. So I hope you enjoy. And as always, if you enjoy this podcast, share it with a friend and be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. All right. Talk to you guys later. All right, you guys. So today we have a very special friend of the pod back, Taylor Grant. Um, If you don't know her, then you definitely need to go back a few episodes and listen to my initial conversation with her. She definitely dropped some gems in that episode. So um, you need to go listen to that. And today we have her for a special Q&A session. Um, when I connected with Taylor, I thought that she'd be like the perfect person to answer some of like your financial questions, being that she is like in the financial world professionally. However, I do just want to give a quick disclaimer, like do not come for Taylor when she's giving you advice. Like this is just like her opinions. She's not telling you that you need to do this or that you should do this. She's just saying if she were in your shoes, you know, she may do this or she may do that. So don't come for her. Don't try and sue her. Um, (laughs) She's just, she's just giving like, I don't know, anecdotal advice or whatever. So yeah. How are you, Taylor? Hey, Alex, I am doing well. I know that we are wrapping up the end of the year here. Is that not insane that we're already towards the end of 2021? But (laughs) putting that to the side, I'm super excited to be back to talk to you guys. You have put in some great questions. Um, So yeah, I'm really excited just trying to make it and end the year strong on my end. And I know a lot of us have made big financial goals and plans for the year. So if you got distracted during summertime, which a lot of us (laughs) may have done, make sure you look back at your goals and your plans and try to readjust in the final quarter of the year, because it can definitely make a difference to get you to where you want to be. 100%. What, like, do you have a financial goal that you're trying to either complete by the year? by the year's end or that you want to start by 2022? Yeah, for sure. So I always have life goals. I know this is crazy. I'm a goal person. Like I am a planner to the soul. So I have life goals, financial goals, all business goals. So a lot of my goals this year were strictly around my business and the amount of clients that I want to have, the amount of people that I wanted to be able to connect with. So I am running as hard as I can to try to make some of those goals happen because it's all about building a business for me right now. So I feel that 100 percent. Well, thank you (laughs) for taking the time out of your very, very busy schedule to answer these questions, come back on the podcast. I am so thankful for that, for sure. Of course. Thank you for having me. 
Of course. All right. So let's just jump right into these questions. You're a busy lady. We don't want to waste any of your time. So the first question I have here is, what is the best high yield savings account? And for those who may not know what a high yield savings account is, can you explain that too? Of course. So this is a great question. I think high yield savings accounts really started to become popular. Well, at least in my opinion, I heard a lot about high yield savings accounts during um, the pandemic because people are like, hey, I got to start saving some money. And the, the importance of having a savings really showed itself in 2020. So high yield savings accounts, to me, I've heard, I heard a lot more about them then. But basically what a high yield savings account is, it is um, just like your traditional savings account, but you get more interest on it if we just make it really simple. Um, they're usually online banks. So it's somewhere that you may not necessarily be able to walk into a branch because they're able to keep the um, the expenses down, the administrative fees down. You're able to then earn more of the interest on the back end. So while your uh, traditional savings account will have like a 0.001% return. You may get like 50% or 50 cent in your uh, savings account as a return. And a high yield savings account still not going to be tremendously high, but instead of 60 cents, you can get $6 um, on a chunk of money that is sitting there. Now, to answer the question about what would be the best high yield savings account for you is going to really depend on what do you want that savings account for. So I'll give you my personal example. Um, I wanted my high yield savings account to hold my emergency fund. So there is a chunk of money that is just going to be sitting that in that account that I'm not really going to be accessing. I'm not going to be looking at it much. I'm not going to be taking money out of that account on a month to month basis. So why that's important is because a lot of these accounts have minimum fees or minimum uh, requirements. They may have uh, restrictions around how many withdrawals you can have, or they may have, or you also want to look at their performance. So um, the amount of interest that they're earning. So for me, I went with Synchrony Bank. I already had like a credit card with Synchrony in the past. So I was very familiar with the bank. So I looked into their high yield savings account. They had a minimum of like $200, which was fine for me because I was transferring a bulk of money there. So the minimum wasn't going to be a problem. Their interest was really high at the time, without, which I like. And in this case, they have a maximum withdrawal limit of around two or three withdrawals a month, which means that if I go over that withdrawal per month, then they're going to basically fine me. <laughs> I don't know how much the fine is, but again, that was not the purpose of that account for me. So I knew the, the withdrawals were going to do two things. Well, really one main thing, it was going to deter me from taking money out of that account if I didn't need it to. So some people need that accountability. Um, so that's why I like my synchrony account. I've had it for probably over a year and a half now. It's been rocking. Um, no issues with it. If I need help, somebody's there to help me. I can call them. But yeah, it's been performing well. So with all of that said, figure out what you need your high yield savings account to do. And then I found 
a really good website that I absolutely love. It's called bankrate.com. That's B-A-N-K-R-A-T-E.com. They have so much information on this website that is so helpful. So if you go and type in high yield savings account, they will one, give you a definition of what the account is. They will tell you how it's useful, what are the pros and the cons of an account like that. And then they will also rank the highest performing um, accounts in the market right now. So absolutely love bankrate.com. I wish they could sponsor me at this point because I tell all my clients to use them. But that's a really good resource for you guys to look at. Yes, for sure. I know I use Ally and pre-pandemic, my interest rate was like pretty good, but I don't know. I haven't really checked it. I mean, I know it's dropped significantly since the pandemic and I had to actually pull my savings out from there because I had an emergency I needed to use the money for. So yeah, but everything that you said was like spot on. So definitely check out Bankrate and Bankrate. If someone from the company is listening, sponsor, <laughs> sponsor Taylor. Sponsor your girl. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So the next question we have here is, should I pay off my car note or my student loans first? I have four years left of my car note, but I make three to $400 monthly payments to my student loans. And I'm on an income-based repayment plan. Okay. So to this person, you may not like my answer. And I hate when people tell me this also. It depends. (laughs) It's really going to depend on some of the other things that you have going on with your finances, right? So... Really, what I would want to know is, one, what are the interest rates that you are dealing with when it comes to your student loans and when it comes to your car loan? What are the amounts that are left over? So usually when I think of debt, um, and we're kind of talking about this a little later, I think, too, is if it's going to be good or bad debt. Usually your student loans and your car loans and your home mortgages Um, although they are debt, they usually have a lower interest rate than your typical store credit cards or, uh, maybe even a collections account that would be considered to me bad debt. So what I would want to say, we got to figure out what your priorities are, get a little bit more information on the amounts that are owed in the totals. And then based on really your particular goals, the money you have left coming over, are left over at the end of the month, then we could probably put that in order to which one you should pay off first. Because if your student loans are $85,000 versus your car note that you have $6,000 left, I would say, hey, let's knock out your car loan first. And then we can shift all of those resources that we were using for your car note and then put that towards student loans and then be able to take bigger chunks out of your student loan. So again, it just depends on really what your priorities are in the um, details around some of these accounts. So sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, fair enough. Well, let's just say, what if they have federal student loans? So the interest rates on that are frozen for right now. What would you suggest? So if you have um, student loans that are on deferment and you have room in your budget and you are able to again, pay all your other bills, all your other debts, 
please throw some money at your student loans. Whatever you can, please do that. Because when they come back, they are here to stay. And again, people are like, no, the government, they may help us out. And I hope they do. And it will be a pleasant surprise. But from what I have been seeing and what we have experienced in the past from the government, I would not hold out too much hope. So with that being said, if you have some additional resources that you can put money towards your student loans to at least knock some of it down, it may not even be realistic to have them all paid off before the deferment is over. But if you can start putting something toward it and put that in your budget, because if you go ahead and start thinking, hey, student loans are coming back in January, let me go ahead and start making payments on them now and have that um, sectioned off in your budget. When it comes to January, you're not saying, oh my God, I have a whole nother bill that I don't even know where the funds are going to be coming from. It would have already been um, put into your budget and prioritized around. Right. A hundred percent. I was reading um, when news broke that they were going to like extend the, um, the, I'm yeah, losing words. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah, when they when they um, announced that, um, I was reading an article and it said that like basically it was like this is like the last time that we're <laughs> doing this. Yeah. And so when they said that, I said, Oh, they're not playing around. I'm like, I don't think they're coming to save us. I know that I know that, that they've wiped out some debt, like for some people, like those who are like totally disabled, things yeah. like that. I think for like veterans or something, don't quote me on that. I've but I'm pretty sure I saw that, but I'm like, for the rest of us, I'm like, I don't know. It's not looking too good. So yeah, I'm happy that someone else is like saying, Hey, you may want to start planning because it's important. And then something else that made me really doubt that, um, any additional relief is coming when it comes to student loans. And I, and again, it is a big problem. I don't want people to think that I'm saying it's not an issue in America. It is, it's a huge issue. But unfortunately, I just don't see the government being able to do too much more than what they have already. And something else that made me think about that is when they made the announcement that Social Security, the payoff for Social Security soon, like within the next one or two years, is going to be cut. I was like, oh, they are they are struggling to be able to even pay for the promises that they have in short term reaches. So nobody even promised student loans to be paid out, but social security, people live off of social security now. So, yeah. Wait, so can you like speak a little bit more to that? Like I had, this is like news to me, like what's happening? So I don't, I can't give you all of the specifics because I didn't do too much research on it, but basically we know, okay, I'm trying not to go have a whole deep dive here. But Social Security is paid for by the workforce that is working now and paying into Social Security. So the people who are retired and getting an income is um, that is being funded by the people in the workforce now paying Social Security. So what they're saying basically is that there is not enough money coming in to support the people that are on social security. So their income or their benefits that they're getting from the government monthly is going to be cut. Now, the time frame of that, 
when that is happening, again, I haven't dug too deep into that because uh, that's just not where a lot of my clients are right now. So I did not do a lot of research and you know, probably should. Um, but yeah. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. I need to do some more research on that. Wow. Well, thanks for breaking off that piece of like breaking news. Oh my goodness. That's why I tell my younger clients. Is, I talk about retirement a lot. Again, I'm a dork, y'all. Forgive me. <laughs> but I always tell my clients, please do not rely on social security in your retirement. If it's around still, and because we knew that there were going to be changes to social security by the time me and you retire, right? Mm-hmm. We know that as a fact. We just didn't know when it was coming and what it would really look like. So for like people my mom's age, she can pretty much, well, she, we were relying on that social security benefit being there because it was a shorter time frame. For us, it was really iffy. So my plans and for my clients, I'm like, hey, Let's say that social security is not going to be a thing. Let's prepare you. So if it's not there, you will still be okay. But if it is there, it'll be a little sprinkle on top because it's not going to be much. Right. So, okay. One last question and then we'll get back into the other questions. So like, what can people do? Like what can people our age do to prepare themselves for that not to be there? Like just in case. Great question. So what I would tell you guys, especially for young professionals entering the workforce, um, please enroll in your 401k. Just enroll. You don't have to get up to the match. You don't have to put a lot in right now, but just start to do something because one, you have time on your hands. So whatever you are doing is going to compound on top of each other then you're also getting what your employer is putting into that account because they have some matching. So you're really doubling the money that you're putting in the account into that retirement account from your employer's contributions. It's a lot easier for us to save and invest for our future when we're younger because we have time on our hands. When we approach that 40, 50 mark, 40, you still have a little bit of runway. You can still make a little happen. That 50 mark is really hard to prepare if you haven't done the work beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I would say one thing that you could do to start preparing for retirement, enrolling a 401k, if you can get to the match of your company, get there. And then if you can also do a Roth IRA, go ahead and start doing that. There's a lot of other things we can do. Um, but basic 401k with your employer if you have one okay good to good to know um so for the next question christmas is right around the corner so this person says (laughs) (laughs) so this person says i'm considering not buying any gifts this year for christmas is this a good idea and how do i break it to my friends and family gently oh so friends I am going to give you a little secret on me as a person. I am not a holiday person. (laughs) I am my friends actually laugh at me because I am the epitome of a Grinch. I have a Grinch onesie that I literally wear 
all throughout the winter because that is just how I feel most of the time. <laughs> so if you ask if it's a good idea, it depends <laughs> on how you feel. For me, I get you. I'm there with you. Um, something that me and my family have done And again, we don't have a lot of small children in my family either. The youngest person in my family would is like 21 now. So we're all pretty grown. We're just like, eh, we're going to get together. We're going to eat. The gifts are a bonus. One thing that we did, we did um, the white elephant game or I heard this called something else. So you buy one gift for the whole group and then y'all pass it around, play the game and do that. That may be an option. But honestly, for me, I've told my family um, in different years and different stages in my life that, hey, right now it's it's a little short on my end. I still love y'all. I'm going to still contribute to the environment, the festivities as much as I can, but don't really be expecting a lot as far as gift wise. And even if you don't buy gifts, you can still do other things like One year I gave my family um, picture frames or made them picture albums. Um, So there was something, but it wasn't super expensive. I'm a Grinch, so my opinion may not be the best. The gently part may not be the best for me, but (laughs) best advice coming from me. But there could be other ways that you can at least feel, because some people just love giving gifts. They really Mm -hmm. do. So if you are that person, just find some ways to... Um, be on the more cost efficient side, maybe make it a letter, make it a, I don't know, (laughs) something sentimental. (laughs) Yes, I feel like there's nothing wrong with a sentimental gift. I know for us, like for my husband's family, um, like in years past, like we've, everyone gets a gift for everyone. So, and so I'm like, oh my goodness. And not to mention like stuff for my family too. And it like runs like my pockets dry, especially because oh, yes. I'm the kind of person in July, I'm like, oh, Christmas is right around the corner. And then like <laughs> November, <laughs> November hits and I'm like, I have no money saved up for Christmas to buy anyone anything. So it's really stressful. But um, my father-in-law suggested last Christmas, he was like, okay, next year we're not doing this. Like we're all just going to pick one person and mm-hmm. give a gift to that person. And I kind of was like, Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> because it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. And it could be kind of stressful for, to be that person that says, Hey y'all like, come on. Because my family, we were really big um, earlier on, on Christmas. So I'm talking about both grandparents, both auntie uncles, other auntie uncles, cousins, like, everybody had to have multiple gifts and I'm just like the stress and the anxiety around Christmas for me is insane it got to the point where I would be running around on Christmas Eve starting my shopping because I wouldn't want to think about it beforehand what three small changes can I make to save more money I love that question okay so I would say first if we say changes or habits these are two completely different things. If we're saying three small changes, one really good one that I um, was sitting in on a seminar and we were having a group conversation. And one lady says, the way I limit my spending to save more money 
is to load money on a gift card. So let's say she wants to only spend $100 a month on eating out. She'll put $100 on like a little Visa gift card and that's what she uses to pay for food. After that, she's done. When she told me this, I was like, that is genius. Like that is a game changer. Because I know I'll go to Chick-fil-A and just swipe that car and not think about it. So that one for sure. Um, what else would be a good small change? The second one, I would say, this is more of a habit, more um, than a change. I would say, really know what your expenses are first. What are your expenses? Where are you spending your money? There are categories that most of us are spending our money in without understanding or having a real idea that how much money we're spending. So for example, like I said, I don't like to cook. So a lot of my my little dollars are the things that I'm not really paying too much attention to is going towards food. So until I wrote out my expenses, looked at my last month of expenses, and saw how much money I was really putting towards food and going out, I was like, this is ridiculous. This is taking me away from the goals that I actually want to meet. Or even if it was like, I'm still hitting my goal, but I could be doing better. So then you have an idea and really being able to give each and every dollar you have a job at the end of the day, because your dollars are resources for you to get to where you want to be. That's the second one. Um, The third thing I would say to save more money is to prioritize your savings and your investing and and paying yourself first. So just like we pay rent, just like we pay our car note, all these things, and we do that on the same day because we have to or there's going to be a consequence. We need to do that for ourselves. So. The habit that I got into is the day I got paid, before I pay anything else or anybody else, I woke up and transferred money into my savings account. That was my first priority as a gift to myself saying, hey, you did all this work to have this income, good job. Before you give it away to anybody else, you're going to give it back to yourself. So just having that mindset was one of the biggest shifts for me is and people hear all the time, pay yourself, pay, pay yourself first, pay yourself first. But really thinking about like, hey, I throw money at every single person almost. Like you give people gifts, you pay rent, you pay your mortgage, you do your car note, you pay Apple Music, you pay Netflix, all of these things, but you don't give yourself any money. Like that was one of the biggest shifts. So I would say that as my third one. No, I love all those. Um, that lady who suggested the gift card, genius, Albert genius. Einstein. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like sitting here like, oh, I'm definitely going to do that. That is so smart. Smart. Wow. And I love um, your your last point about like you give all this money to like literally everybody else on the planet. Like, it's important to set some aside for yourself. I know I've been trying to, um, trying to do that a little bit. Cause like I give my student loan people like pretty much half of my paycheck every time I get paid and the remainder goes to like bills and stuff. So even if it's 25 bucks that I can like stash away, like I'm happy mm-hmm. for that. Cause I'm exactly. like, okay, like 
this is for me. And, you know, as I take care of like these other debts or whatever, I'll be able to, that number will increase, but it's just Mm -hmm. good to get into the habit for sure. Yeah. A lot of financial security planning, all of it is really a habit in your relationship with money. Once you understand um, how you really see money and how you function around it, you can pivot a lot easier and make build your habits a lot easier. And so everything is a lot more effective when you really understand to the core, like, why do I feel like this? Like, why do I feel like I have to throw money at every single person or every single thing? One of, I know we get off track so easily because I love talking to you. <laughs> One of the things that I really had to notice for myself again was that like, especially um, before I made a move. So at first I lived in probably like an hour away from a lot of my friends because I was working in another location. So I would spend enormous amounts of money coming to where they were whenever they had some things going on. And I love my friends, right? They're really, they're great. They have a, like, they're starting businesses and doing X, Y, Z, birthdays, blah, blah, blah. They're just doing a lot. And I would want to let them know like, hey, I love you. I'm still here. I'm so supportive of you. I'm going to buy whatever ticket you have. I'm going to be at every birthday dinner. I'm going to be at every party. I'm going to bring something. I'm going to be on the road spending $50 in gas just to get there. And then on top of that, so I had to realize, take a step back. Hey, why are you spending $500 every weekend? Oh, it's because you want to show up for your friends. That's a good thing. But do they really need you at every single Mm -hmm. event? So that's what I mean about understanding really what's driving you. Um, So then that way you can shift and hit your goals easier. No, I absolutely love that. Love that so much. Um, Let's see. The next question. I have one credit card. They say that can be a risk with credit card lenders. Should I add another? Good question. So depends. Again, I know y'all hate that answer. Um, When you think of credit cards um, and keeping a good credit score, there are really three big areas that you would want to look at. Um, if you can keep these three big areas under control, it doesn't really matter how many credit cards you have. Um, like for me and myself and I, I have one credit card. I have a high limit on it. So, I mean, it's the same amount of credit. Um, and I have a decent credit score, right? So, um, so what I would say, the three areas that you would want to look at is one, the utilization. Make sure that you keep the amount balance on a month-to-month rolling month balance under 30% of your total credit. So if you have five cars with a total of $25,000, you still want to keep that under 30% of $25,000. If you have one card with $25,000, you still want to keep it under 30% of $25,000. Now, the second one is going to be your payment history. So just making sure you're paying your credit card note or credit card note, your credit card bill on time, Um, making sure that if you can pay it off monthly, please pay it off monthly. Don't put in late things. Don't pay the minimum when you have a bigger balance and you have the funds to pay it. Um, And then the third thing is going to be length of credit. So how long have you had lines of credit open? So that's why I always tell my clients, beware of paying debt down and closing that account. 
So what I mean is like, hey, you may have five credit cards, but you only need two. You finish paying off three of them and you close them, that can have a hit on your credit card, even if you paid it off and there's a zero balance. It's because now the length of credit that you have is shrunk. So again, it depends on a lot of different areas. It also depends on how you manage your credit card. If you have one credit card that is over the balance of that 30% and you find yourself overspending with that credit card, I would not suggest you get another one to give you more credit and then it will be mishandled. You got it's, it's just a lot of things that you would want to ask yourself and be able to answer. Yeah, I feel like credit cards are such a tricky thing because it's like it's so nice, but then at the same time, it's like one small misstep, it just goes crazy, or you're like, oh, look, I've got this. And next thing you know, like your bill is like 5K, and you're like, <laughs> wait, what oh, what did I spend this money on? I would say with credit cards, especially beginners, just keep it simple. Make it literally as a, as simple as you can. Buy your gas, buy your groceries, pay it off every month. And just let it rot. So don't pay for or pay for really your expenses that you have to pay on a month to month basis anyway, that you have the cash to pay mm-hmm. it off. Right. So don't purchase clothes and stuff on your credit card because you're like, hey, I don't have the money in my account. Let me go use my credit card. Don't do that. Purchase the things that you have already budgeted in your budget. So then you always know, hey, I have the money for what I'm swiping this card for. 100%. This quick side note, how do you feel about like like, uh, Afterpay, Klarna, Affirm? How do you feel about them? (laughs) Um... It's great for the girls, but in reality, it's horrible for the girls. <laughs> oh, God. I hate that I have to say this. Oh, man. I do not think it's a great idea. And the reason I'm saying that is from my experience, the people who are taking advantage of those Karna or Afterpay services are also the same people who have a hard time managing their month-to-month budget, month-to-month expenses mm-hmm. and are overspending. So they use that as a way to still get what they want, even if they can't afford it at the time. Right. So that is why I just feel like it's targeted at the people that don't need it. Like it's targeted <laughs> at the people that need more help understanding how to really be financially responsible right versus somebody I mean but it could be good for somebody who is very financially responsible and says hey I'm gonna um because you can do it with flights also like hey I have a flight coming up I don't necessarily want to pay it on my credit card let me split it up into payments if that is something that you can responsibly do it's okay but I just feel like because it's usually around shopping and some people have a habit of overspending and shopping that's who it's geared towards that's who usually uses it and it ends up adding more expenses and just compounding on top of each other because they make a payment one week then the next week they do it again now they have fifty dollars that they have to pay every single week to pay like it's just yeah it can it can get messy and I was reading an article 
where um, the person was, inter- someone was interviewing the founder of Klarna and they basically were like, oh, well, this is pretty much a, a credit card. And he was like, no, like, it's not like that at all. Like, we don't give you, you like with a credit card, you know, you get all your balance up front, but like, we don't do that. And we do monthly checks and all this stuff. And I'm like, you're basically, it's a credit card. You're just remarketing it as something different, essentially. Like, and, yeah. And I think what's even worse is that your credit card, you determine the payments on it. For, for like, forgive me if I'm wrong with after paying card, they just taking that money out. It doesn't matter if you got it or not. They're just pulling it. Oh, I see. I didn't know that. I've never used it. So I literally have no idea. I'm, I, and again, I will have to, I, don't quote me on this. So if I'm wrong, please just ignore me. But I really do believe that the money is just getting withdrawn from their account. And what is that going to do to somebody who has a hard time managing money? Put their account in the overdraft fee. Like, it's not going to be a good situation. But it's good to get the shoes that you need. (laughs) Right. Right. Ball is coming. You need those boots. Um, All right. And the last question we have here, what are examples of good debt and bad debt? Which should you omit the fastest? Great question. We touched on this a little earlier. Um, So good debt, bad debt. I would say any debt that has a high interest rate, let's just label that bad debt, right? And usually bad debt is also not debt that is helping you achieve a goal if that makes sense. So for example, a Macy's card. I always use Macy's because my mom drilled this in my head when I was little because she had to climb out of credit card debt from a Macy's card. Now that Macy's card was not helping her get to any type of financial goal, education goal, home ownership goal. It was so she could get some clothes and fill up her house, right? So, and those cards have a, extremely high interest rate so what happens is because a lot of people don't understand how credit cards work they pay the minimum balance because that is what they can afford on a month-to-month basis well if you pay the minimum balance it's going to take forever to get that card paid off because most of your money is going towards the interest rate versus the principal now good debt I would say has a lower interest rate um, and is usually helping you obtain some type of goal. A mortgage to me is good debt. It's usually not that high. You are owning something. You're paying something off so that you have ownership in it. And it's usually, I mean, I hate that it's longer, but also usually um, loans and things that are longer are considered good debt. I don't know why that's the thing, but yeah. So like your car loan, I would not consider that bad debt. But again, this is me personally. Um, but debt is debt. At the end of the day, you're still going to pay it off. But usually those don't take a huge um, impact on like your credit score. If you have anything in collections, bad. If you owe any type of like medical bills, that's considered bad debt because that's going to show up on your credit, um, credit report. So eliminate bad debt first. Straight to the point. 
get rid of the bad debt and yes. good debt isn't isn't as bad as you think but it's still important to pay it off though pay it off but you <laughs> maybe not have to pay it off as fast because not eating up so much of your budget <laughs> right. well we have reached the end of our q a with taylor taylor where can the people find you if they want some more financial wisdom gems yes um, you guys, if you ever have any questions, you know that you can please reach out. Um, you can send me an email, taylor.grant at nm.com. Um, and then on Instagram, you can find me at, at it's Taylor Grant. I try to keep it simple. I'm trying to be professional woman out here, y'all. <laughs> so on Instagram, at it's Taylor Grant. So I would love to know what you guys thought or if you have any questions or even if you disagree, let me know. Let's have a conversation around it. Um, but thank you so much for having me back. I absolutely love talking to you. Of course. It's always a pleasure talking with you too. I love it so much. Like, it's just so nice to like know someone that's like equally as like interested to talk about yeah. money as I am. <laughs> Find you a good money friend. Please yes. do that. That's probably the best piece of advice that you can find. Find somebody that is in line with your goals, wants to talk about money and building yourself up. Because when you two link, you already you don't have to explain why you may have to sacrifice here to do that. And they'll just encourage you.